turn in your Bibles to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I'll say a little prayer for me as, I, as you've, some of you figured out during fellowship time. I am not feeling that great, but I'm going to do the best I can. Amen? Amen? Two weeks ago, for the last two weeks, we've been, been looking at what it takes a person, what it takes for a person to accept Christ. And we learned that simple acts of kindness will lead the lost to the Lord. And, and we went over some things that we should be doing, just simple acts of kindness that people will see and they'll be receptive to who the Lord is in us. Amen? Uh, we, we learned last week that there are very few who will move from demonstrating simple acts to actually doing the greater things of God by feeling comfortable and confident in presenting the gospel to a lost person. Uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I guess it doesn't have to make sense to me. But as Christians, we ought to be confident at some point in, in presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. At some point, to, to somebody. The, the joy of the Lord should be in us so much that we have to tell somebody about what Jesus has done for us. I, I don't understand it, but I, I guess I don't have to. This morning, I want to take the topic of salvation one step further by asking you a simple question. What will you personally sacrifice for the gospel of Jesus Christ to spread? This week, we're going to be celebrating our veterans who were willing to sacrifice. But my question is to you as a Christian, what are you willing to sacrifice that the gospel of Jesus Christ might spread? Now, not many of us are willing to sacrifice anything. As long as we're comfortable, we'll come. As long as nothing happens to me, I'll be faithful to God, to what I think is faithful. But that's not the question. The question is, what are you willing as a Christian, as a child of God who understands everything that God has done for you through his son, what are you willing to sacrifice that the gospel might spread? If there's any time in the world that the gospel needs to spread like wildfire, it's right now. We're in the last days. I, don't you want to see one great last revival take place before Jesus comes? Let's read Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Very familiar for the scriptures this morning. As he was setting out on a journey, being Jesus, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher. Now, my Wednesday night class, y'all know, we've, we've talked about this. What a person calls Jesus is who he identifies Jesus as. Right? So this man says, good teacher. Did he say Lord God Almighty? Did he say Messiah? Did he say Son of God? No. He acknowledges Jesus as good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good but God. You know the, the commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. He said, teacher, <laughs> again, teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. 
Then looking at him, Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. And he said unto him, You lack one thing. Go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But he was stunned at this demand. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, I pray that you would calm us. Lord, you would wake us. Lord, you would help us to understand what's taking place here in our scripture this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves in this scripture this morning. God, we, we, we desperately need one last right revival before you come. This, this city, this state, this nation, this world needs one last revival. And it's got to start somewhere, Lord. Help us to be willing to do our part each and every day. Help us, Lord, to be willing to sacrifice for the gospel to spread. Open our eyes to see you this morning. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us this morning. In Jesus' name we do pray, and all God's children said, amen. Church, this morning we're going to look at the man, the master, and the method in this scripture. The man, the master, and the method. So we start with the man. The, the man was the rich young ruler. That's who we identify with. If you, if you open your Bibles and you, you look at this event in Scripture, it'll tell you the rich young ruler is who this man was. Now, I, I'll be honest with you. Years ago when I was a young Christian, and, and really, I mean, just about every time, if you just stop at the first part of this Scripture where, 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 where we see that uh, Verse 17, it says, and he was setting out on a journey. A man ran up and knelt down before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This man is coming to Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He identifies him as the teacher because that's all he is to him. But he's coming to Jesus, asking Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You fast forward and you see the response to Jesus, what Jesus said to him. It's always made me sad. I'm just like... Like, I, I don't understand. This man comes to Jesus, the one who has all the answers. There are times in my life when people have come to me and they've asked me questions, and after the fact, I've thought about the answers that I've given them, and, and I haven't felt real confident at times about answers that I've given people. But not Jesus. Jesus gives this man a, a response, and, and when I first read it, it made me sad because this man wanted eternal life. And Jesus turned him away. Right? That's what we see in Scripture. And, and it breaks my heart. It broke my heart. But we need to pause and understand some things. And we'll, we'll get to exactly what took place here in a few minutes. But that's heartbreaking to me that this man comes seemingly, seemingly comes to Jesus. But there was something missing. And we'll get to that here in a second as well. Scripture says that this man was lost. In verse 17b, for a person to be lost and to understand that, they lost, that they're lost, and they come to somebody, and in this case the Savior of the world, and ask, what must I do to have eternal life? He understands that he's lost. He's missing something. We've all come to that point in time in our life. If you're saved, you've realized that you're missing something. You don't have something that you need to have this eternal life. 
Also with this, this, the, this man, we, we understand through Scripture. Scripture also implies that this man was desperate. Look at verse 17, verse 17a. Verse 17a says, as he was setting out on a journey, the man ran. He ran up and he knelt down before him. He, he was desperate. He was desperate. And asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Now, as you recall the time that you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, this, this was a gradual thing. God used people to open your eyes to, to see your need for salvation. Good people. He brought Christians into your life. As I look back in the, and, and before I got saved, I can see now with 2020 vision how God put people in my path that I might see Him. Not myself, not the person, not to give glory to myself or to, to the person who, who He put in my, but to give glory to God. Something had happened in this rich man's life that he understood. God had put people in his path, in his place, to, to open his eyes, to see that he was missing something. He was desperate on this day to run and kneel before Jesus. Now, church, we need to understand, he was searching and seeking, seeking for an answer that was the most important to the most important question that, that we all need to hear. What must I do to be saved? Now, can you see the man as he searches the crowd for Jesus? As he runs through the crowd, he's searching for Jesus, and he finally spots him, and he runs as fast as he can, and he drops to his knees and cries out to Jesus, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Did you ever have that desperation? That disparity? You, you didn't know what was coming around the corner, but you knew you needed Jesus. This is that man this morning. And at this point in time in Scripture, Brother Frank, he is desperate. He, he does want an answer. It's seemingly he does want an answer. He took the time. He, he stopped everything that he was doing. He sought Jesus out. He ran to Jesus. He fell at the feet of Jesus. He asked the question of Jesus. But now he has to deal with the response that Jesus gave him. Church, this man is a picture of us. Before we met Christ, we were in desperate need of salvation. This is also a picture of the lost world. We may never see or hear them ask this question the rich man is asking of Jesus this morning. But we have to realize that they have or will at some point ask this very question. The lost world is desperate to know the answer that we should be willing to give them. They do. Listen, well before I, was, I ever asked the question, my, my mind wandered. I, I saw the world in its vastness. And I knew within my heart that there, there, this, there had to be more than this. There, there had to be more than this. This didn't just create itself. God created this. I'm missing something. I knew that I was missing something that only God could give me. That only God could give me. And this is where this man is this morning. Scripture tells us this morning that the man had a head knowledge of who God was, but had no heart knowledge of who Christ was. 
He had a head knowledge of who God was. He, Sharon, he was seeking after God and God's will in all of eternity. He had a head knowledge of who God was, but he had no head, heart knowledge of who Christ was. Look, look at verse 19. Jesus said, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And the, the rich young ruler said to him, Teacher, I have kept all of these from my youth. Church, I, I believe many people in our churches are going to die and bust hell wide open because they have a head knowledge of Christ but lack a heart knowledge. You see, I've told you many times, and any pastor who has any, he said the same thing that I'm about to say. Listen, the Ten Commandments weren't, weren't set before us that we could meet their expectations. They were set before us to understand that we cannot meet those expectations, that we need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. This rich young ruler says, look, I've done this, I've, done, I, I've kept it all. Jesus says, I mean, he's like, you're missing the point, you can't. Even in your best day, you cannot keep these commandments. You need salvation. You need a Savior. So at this point, we need to step back and understand Jesus is seeing something in this man that we don't see. He sees us all. He knows us all. He knows every hair that's on our head and every hair that's, that's absent from our head. He knows us all. Now, what's the difference between a head knowledge and a heart knowledge? A head knowledge makes you want. A head knowledge makes you want. Let me say that again. Understand, a head knowledge makes you want. Well, what does it make you want? It makes you want to think, to study more, to, to desire to know all there is to know, to pay great expense to obtain more knowledge. Head knowledge, head knowledge gives you earthly riches and great admiration among your peers. Head knowledge brings pride and arrogance, contention and disputes. Head knowledge allows you to inflate your ego and sing praises unto yourself. Look at all that I have. Look at all the degrees that I have on my wall. Look at all this knowledge. Look at all these books. Look at all I know. Head knowledge will not get you into heaven. Head knowledge will not give you eternity. Head knowledge, a lot of times, won't even help you to recognize who Jesus is. But then there's heart knowledge. Heart knowledge is, is quite the opposite. You realize that you're nothing. When you have a heart knowledge of who Jesus is, you realize that Jesus is everything and you're nothing. You can't be inflated. Everything that God allows you to do, you allow, you understand that you could do not do anything, Griffin, unless God allowed you to do it. You realize that you're nothing, a nobody. You realize that you can never do anything that amounts to anything apart from God. You realize that others are more important than you are. That's a novel concept, isn't it? Glenn, did you realize that other people are more important than you are? They are. But that's not how we live. That love is contagious. Christ's power and purpose and your life is limitless, you understand. With the heart knowledge of God, you lose all inhibitions to walk with your eyes closed into the most dangerous circumstances of life, knowing that Christ is there to catch you when you fall. 
this rich young ruler had a head knowledge of God, but he didn't have a heart knowledge of God. I, I have a ruler in my desk. If you walk in my office and you sit in my chair and you face the wall with the, the Great Commission map on the, the wall, if you open my top right-hand drawer, right at the very front, Ms. Dorcas, there's a, a ruler. A ruler. How many inches is on the ruler? Twelve inches. Twelve. I want y'all to get a ruler sometime and hold the ruler up right here from your head to your heart. Twelve inches separates your head and your heart. Twelve inches sends more people to hell than just about anything else. People have a head knowledge of Jesus, but they don't have a heart knowledge of Jesus. Take a look around at our congregation this morning. Where are Sheva Soaks Baptist Church church members this morning? You, you could ask that a, a lot of Sunday mornings. Really? C come back tonight and ask yourself, where, where are Sheva Soaks? I, I don't, where, where's Pat? Pat, 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 Pat Wilkins. Where's Pat? Okay, she, she had to go somewhere. She could tell you how many members. I don't, I don't know how many. People ask me from time to time. That's one of the, the preacher questions, isn't it, buddy? How many members do you have? How many do you have come on Sunday morning? How many do you have attend on Sunday, Sunday school? I don't, I don't know. I don't, really don't have a clue. But I, I know we have a lot more church members that show up on Sunday than show up on Sunday morning. If we all showed up, a natural disaster. Let's say a natural disaster takes place, buddy, this, this coming week. Uh, another 9-11. I imagine you see a lot of Chevis Oaks Baptist Church members next Sunday, wouldn't you? Everybody want to put the praise on Jesus and, and they, they'd want to worship. Brother Kyle, what in the world, what, what, what's going on? We'd see him. What are you saying, Brother Kyle? There are a lot of people who have a heart, head knowledge of who God is, but they don't have a heart knowledge. A heart knowledge changes you. And this man just didn't want to be changed. The second person we're going to look at is the master. We saw the, the man. Let's look at the master. The master is Jesus, of course. Church, please know that Jesus knew this man's spiritual condition well before he ever laid eyes on him. He, he, was, once, he, he, was, he was once bothered by the Scripture because, I, I was once bothered by the Scripture because we see a man broken and seemingly, seemingly, seemingly wanting to have eternal life, but Christ would not accept him. This is not the case at all. Jesus knew this man would never sacrifice anything. He, he would not give up not one thing to possess eternal life. I taught my class on Wednesday night. The two words that you need to remember every time you open the, one of the four Gospels is what? Jesus, Jesus knew. Jesus knew. And before this man even stepped in the presence of Jesus, Jesus knew that this man would not be willing to sacrifice anything, nothing, when he stood before him. Church, faith in Christ brings about a positive heart change. When this heart change takes place, you are glad to give up things in your life for the sake of others. You realize that, that you are not important and that the spread of the gospel at any price, at any cost, is more important. Even if it costs you your very life, it's more important issue. There's no other more important issue in life. Something happens when you go from here to here. Every time. Church Christ knew 
that this man had surrounded himself with material comforts and he would not give them up for the sake of eternity. Think about that for a second. Think about all that you have. I'd live in a hammock in the woods that I might not lose eternity. I'd, I'd live on the ground, surround, sur, listen, surrounded by fire ants not to live, give up eternity. But this God, Jesus knew that this man would give up nothing for eternity. Do you know what is just as sad as, as this man's condition? Those of us who are saved and have hope for eternity that will not give up material comforts <coughs> that others might know Jesus. Can, can I tell you that I, that, that I know what I know and, and so does Jesus? These are some things that I know and so does Jesus. Listen, I'm just about done. Listen, there's some things that I know your pastor knows and so does Jesus. Are you ready? Listen, we'll spend more in our life on cars than we'll ever give to God. And happy about it. Happy. Y'all, that, that, that grieves me. And I'm not, I promise you, I am not saying I am a super spiritual Christian. I'm, I'm a but. And Jeff, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. This is dealing with cars, man. I'm sorry. Think about this. Our car will break down. Mess up. Start making a noise. We'll put some oil in it. We'll take it to the car dealership so we can get you know, some, some money for the car. And we'll, we'll spend $40,000 on a new vehicle. And not think about it. Won't even bat an eye about it. We, we won't. And then we'll, we'll glory in it. We'll take pictures of it. Stand like, <laughs> like, like this, and we'll post it on Facebook. Look at my new baby. All over social media. You're proud about this. Have you ever taken out a loan to put it in the offering plate? <laughs> 40000 for a vehicle that's not going to last 10 years most of the time. Y'all, listen, I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying I'm super spiritual, but, but when, when I sold that Jeep and I, I danced up and down, oh, my God, oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, I near, buddy, I almost spoke in tongues. And I started looking for another vehicle. I was like, $4,300 for a used car? What? I mean, I, I, I didn't want to spend it. I didn't want to, well, why, why did you not want to spend it? Because this scripture, that mindset, my, my heart, had changed. I, can't, I cannot justify spending that kind of money when people are dying and going to hell in the farms of Savannah, Georgia. I can't, but we'll do it. We'll do it all day, every day. Listen to this, and, and, and this is hitting me too. I mean, I'm not just trying to shame you. Listen, we spend more money eating out than we'll ever put in the offering plate. Brother Kyle, you're crazy. No, I'm really not. Write it down every time you go out deep. Well, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I know you don't want to because it'll, it'll slap you right in the face. It's expensive. It's, it's convenient. 
It's convenient just to run in, grab something. That you don't have to wash the dishes. You don't have to cook it. I mean, right, Tashonda? I mean, you ain't got to clean, right? It's convenient. You add up what you spend in a week eating out or, or in a month eating out, and then you, you look at what you gave, you tithe to the church. That, that ought to wake you up. It shouldn't. But let's look at something else. Listen, we spend more on cell phones than we give to Lottie Moon. Whew. Lottie Moon Christmas offering is, is next month. We, we'll have that, you know, our gift box up here, and we'll give our birthday gift to Jesus. It's his birthday. I do this every year. Is anybody else's birthday on December 25th? No. It's Jesus' birthday. We're going to give Jesus a gift. But we'll spend more in a year on a stupid cell phone than we'll give Jesus. For his birthday, for Lottie Moon. That's sad. One more, we or two more. We we give our wives, children, and grandchildren way more than we'll ever give Samaritan's Purse. You know, boxes, but they're they're due in two weeks, right? We give our my, my I love my wife, and I love spoiling her, and she is spoiled, y'all. She is. But I give her way more than I, I give children who have nothing. I give my own rotten children more than children who have nothing. But what's wrong with us? If we've had a, heart a head change to a heart change, well, there ought to be evidence of change, should there not? There really should be. Church, most of us will spend more money at Ashley's convenience store on drinks, crackers, and candy than we'll ever Give to the work of the Lord. That one ought to hurt. Church, what are you willing to sacrifice that the lost may know our Jesus? Can, can I tell you that, that Jesus loved this man? Our scripture this morning tells us in verse 21, Then looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. Jesus loved this man. This wasn't about, a, this wasn't about him not loving him or not trusting him or not having faith or confidence in or, or not giving him grace and mercy and love. Jesus loved him. But Jesus knew him. Jesus wanted him. But Jesus knew that he wouldn't come. Church, he would not accept this man without a heart change. Without a heart change. We looked at the man and we looked at the master. Now let's look at, at the last point. Let's look at the method. Now, I, I wonder what your response would have been if Jesus would have put such a requirement on your salvation. Put yourself in, in this man's position. If Jesus would have said to you what he said to this man. Church, why is it that we feel we deserve to pamper ourselves with material luxuries while the world is going to hell around us? Why? Why do we feel we deserve to pamper ourselves with more and more? Wake up! More and more material luxuries when the world is going to hell around us. What is wrong with our mindset that we believe that it's okay? 
to have to, to, to continue to have a 3,000 square foot house, three cars, two boats, 200 acres of land, all for two people to sit back and admire what they have. When there is, when there is a change in your life and you go, through, go from having a head knowledge of Jesus to having a heart knowledge, something happens that's amazing. This is what I realized. I own nothing. It all belongs to Jesus. It's not any of it mine to hoard or to leave as an inheritance to my greedy children. All that I have, all that I own is given to me that I might give back to others. Conclusion. Here's the question, church. Here's the question. Are you ready for it? Here's the question. What are you willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God? There's got to be something. There's got to be There's something in every single one of our lives. What are you willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God? What do you have that is more valuable than the lost little boy in India? What? What's more valuable? Will you ask God today what he wants you to give up that his gospel might spread? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we've heard your message. And you know our hearts just as you knew this rich young ruler's heart. I pray that your Holy Spirit would penetrate our hearts that we might see ourselves as you see us once again. That we might give you what you truly deserve. And we might start serving others the way you created us to serve. Help us during this invitation that we might feel your presence and to know your will in our lives. Show us today what we need to sacrifice to give up that the gospel might spread. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you need to come. And you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, but you want to. You want to know this Jesus that I've been speaking about. Will you come? Let me show you what Scripture says. Not the Baptist or the Pentecostal or the Presbyterian. Let me show you what Scripture says every person must do to be born again. Will you come?